Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Welcome to 2022, everybody. Even if I say the sports calendar doesn't reset till after the Super Bowl. It's a new year, and BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best wagering action in the new year. You can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, when you sign up with the link in the description to this episode. BetOnline, where the game starts. Oh yeah, everybody. You know what that music means. It's time for the Memes of the Weekend podcast here on the Take It Easy podcast. Happy January 31st, everybody, coming off of Conference Championship Weekend. This is going to be the exclusive 49ers and Rams domain here. Seems like the simplest way to go about it. We have two podcasts on Monday. I feel like 49ers Rams belongs here. We're going to do serious game analysis for the 49ers and Rams, but also laugh at this game a lot because I was making the joke. It's like everyone on this game, everyone in this game took bath salts right before the game started. And just this was a classic chaos game. We talk about Falcons chaos games all the time where both teams score in the 30s. And dumb stuff is happening all over the place. Classic, classic chaos game between the 49ers and the Rams. And rare is it that teams are bad enough that we get a chaos game in the playoffs. We had one of them between the Rams and Bucks last week that was just absolutely bonkers because the Rams kept doing dumb stuff all over the place. But this was more like organized chaos. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but this Rams 49ers game felt like organized chaos chaos was what we were watching here and lo and behold the Los Angeles Rams put up a fantastic comeback and a fantastic game like start to finish 49ers were being outplayed by the Rams even though the Rams did everything they could to give it away but again the Rams are just a really really good team and the 49ers have four pro bowlers on offense because I forgot about Kyle Juszczyk when I do the analysis of they have Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Trent Williams and everything they do on offense runs through those guys. And Kittle was the guy that the Rams said we're going to try and take away in this game, which was interesting to watch because usually Kittle can get his own anyways the way Kelsey can, where he just sits in the middle of the field. But the Rams basically said, we'll let Debo do work. We'll let Elijah Mitchell do work. We're just not going to let George Kittle do work. And I think Kittle had like three catches for 40 yards or something in the game. But anyways, the 49ers only had 17 points and honestly probably should have had less than 17 points. Like they benefited from that really long Debo touchdown and then had a good drive with Kittle. Kittle did have a touchdown. I forgot at the end there. But even still, like they did really well in uh, the Rams did really well defensively getting stops against the 49ers 49ers tried their best with their running system and they just didn't have the second options on offense I remember I was watching the Bengals and Chiefs game and I kept getting frustrated that the Kansas City Chiefs didn't use the short field more and then I started watching this game and the entire time with the Rams I'm just like don't run the ball ever 
if you're Los Angeles. The 49ers are great at stopping the run, first and foremost. But secondarily, your running game is ass. And your receivers are really, really good. So why... And yes, they lost Cam Akers. And yes, they lost Higby in the middle of the game. But that time, I'm just like, why do you keep using the running game like that? And the 49ers was basically, we just don't have the same upfield passing game as the Los Angeles Rams. And we saw it when push came to shove at the end of the game. Once the Rams were able to get pressure on Garoppolo, it was a lot of check downs. And the one big play to Debo was helping pick it up. But Garoppolo was playing great early in the game. Like Garoppolo, first drive of the game, excellent. I know they didn't score. Or maybe it was the second drive of the game. But the point being, it was irrelevant. Because then we get to the point that was actually kind of crazy. So... Rams throw an interception in the end zone to start the game, and that changes the entire set of the game. I didn't think that that would end up having a big deal at the end. It did because the game was, what, 0-0 with five minutes left in the second quarter or something like that, and then it was 7-7 and 10-7 at halftime. Like, the whole way through, it was just so chaotic. I didn't think the interception at the beginning would have a big difference, but Stafford did the Stafford thing, the thing everyone was afraid of when Stafford in the two playoff games, they now I know they had four fumbles in the Bucks game, but in the playoff games they won, Stafford had no interceptions, five touchdowns, 500 passing yards, but he didn't throw ter- interceptions, and then he started throwing interceptions, and he did the Stafford thing that... You know, they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they beat the Los, the Arizona Cardinals, who, you know, they were injured at the point, but they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were miles better than the San Francisco 49ers, and yet, when you make mistakes, all of a sudden, the game becomes a whole lot closer than the scoreboard would suggest, and that's what happened because the 49ers held the ball for a long time, and the Rams only had seven points despite the fact that Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham had 200 yards of offense between the two of them, and they still only had seven points at one point. But anyways, it was 17-7 when we get to the fourth quarter of the game. 49ers had a good drive, another turnover helped them out there, and then the Rams decided that we're going to challenge a play waste a timeout we're gonna have to call a timeout because Stafford got out of the huddle with five seconds left so now we have one timeout left and there's still 13 minutes left to go in the game the 49ers get the ball and uh, Cooper Cup gets a touchdown I think with like 13 minutes left to go so like right at the start of the fourth quarter they throw a touchdown to Cooper Cup cuts the lead to three points I know that uh, Kyle Shanahan is getting torched because it's the 10-point comeback in the fourth quarter of a conference championship game is the largest in the last 25 years, and I know he's going to get jokes for that one. I forgot that the Packers have been blowing leads even back when Brett Favre was on the team. Like, forgot about the John Elway game where he helicopters at the goal line. 2004, they lost to Matthew Hasselbeck in the Seahawks, and we don't really talk about that game as much, but it's kind of weird that the Seahawks made a Super Bowl in 2005 with Mike Holmgren and Matthew Hasselbeck. It's kind of weird that that happened. But anyways, uh, the 49ers blow that lead. It's more semantics because the Rams scored on like the third play of the fourth quarter, but still. So it's 17-14, and the 49ers have the ball, and... They run a third and two on the Rams side of the field. I think it was Debo and Mitchell had a couple big plays. And I know everyone's giving Mitchell his props, but Elijah Mitchell, I've seen seven of you before, and there will be three of you after you're gone. 
I have seen many of you in the past. Two years ago, it was Mostert. Then it was Jeff Wilson, Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon. I've seen seven of you before, and there will be more of you after the fact. But I, I can't remember how they get down the field, but they go third and two, power run, use check, with Trent Williams. Trent Williams gets called in motion basically as a tight end blocking. And Trent Williams lays out a, a small linebacker for the Rams. But Juszczyk runs the other way of where Trent Williams is blocking. And it's really confusing in the moment. But this is kind of the theme of the whole game, is the Rams and the 49ers both just had terrible play call. I said off the top, it looked like everyone involved took bath salts right before the game. Shanahan and McVay were both just doing the most outlandish shit on offense. I mean, not like the Chiefs didn't do the same thing. We talk about that in the NFL Monday podcast, but even still, just like fullback dives with Trent Williams in motion just to confuse everyone. And not only do they get stopped for fourth and two, but then Sean McVay challenges the call for a fumble when very clearly... Very clearly, the ground causes the fumble on Kyle Juszczyk. Decides to throw the challenge flag to try and get the ball back. There goes the last timeout, but now it's fourth and two. Ten minutes to go. 49ers up three. Shanahan punts from what was originally on the Rams' side of the field. He takes a delay of game intentionally, moves back to about midfield. And then the play that, like I said last week, I would like to talk about how... The loss, uh, how Zach Taylor tried to call timeout on the game ceiling interception for the Cincinnati Bengals against the Titans. I would like to start a conversation about this one play for two hours, if I could. For two hours, if I could possibly talk about the first play off of the punt in a 17 to 14 game. Seven minutes left to go, or I'm sorry, not seven minutes left to go in the game, about 10 minutes left to go in the game. And we see Matthew Stafford huck a ball deep downfield, and there's just nobody around. Just no Rams receivers. Two are going in different directions. By the way, I forgot to mention that early on in the game, There was a random white wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams. No idea who he was until this game. And random white receiver for the Los Angeles Rams just straight dropped a pass in the end zone. Just straight dropped a pass in the end zone. It was Ben Skronek. He had no catches in the game. And his one play that everyone knows him for is dropping a pass in the end zone. And when I look up Ben Skronek... On the internet, the first thing that pops up is Ben Skronik dropped wide open touchdown versus 49ers. Video viewed 555,000 times on YouTube. So, Skronik ends up dropping a pass earlier in the game. This one is just nobody around except for a guy named Tart. And when I saw his last name... On the 49ers. I knew I knew he played for the Niners as a safety. I didn't know his first name, but I remember there's a Tart somewhere on the 49ers. And Jakeezy Tart just straight drops an interception. 
But the entire time, I keep thinking of him like Jamie Tart from Ted Lasso, because it's the only last name I know that is Tart other than his. And so in my mind, I'm making Jamie Tart jokes as he's just dropped this pass that could possibly have sealed the game for the 49ers. Because again, the 49ers only scored 17 points in the entire game. And Stafford was going to do the thing that everyone was afraid of Stafford doing. When we have the conversation of, is Stafford a choker or is... Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo a choker all of it came down to that one play and then another play and then uh, a marking of the ball being short because Sean McVay called a fourth and one QB sneak that Matthew Stafford couldn't get because Matthew Stafford is not good at doing the QB sneaks but Stafford was going to do the Stafford thing he had a 70 passer rating in the game right before that pass happens. If that pass gets intercepted his passer rating goes down to 50. I forgot who said this on Twitter. Passer rating goes from 70 to 50. After the fact, Matthew Stafford throws throws a completion to Odell Beckham Jr., 15-yard penalty for just straight helmet-to-helmet hit on Odell Beckham Jr., completion to Cooper Cup on third and three, and all of a sudden, Matthew Stafford gets a second chance in life, and he plays amazing, plays amazing amazing football down the stretch goes from a 70 passer rating to a 96.2 understandably not great but 96.2 passer rating is good enough for Matthew Stafford to be an above average quarterback and all the Rams needed was an above average quarterback and for Robert Woods to have not been injured so that Skronik doesn't drop the wide open pass in the end zone And for him to have not thrown the interception at the goal line to start the game, Rams win by, what is it, 14 points, 13 points if all that goes their way. Same thing as last week. If he doesn't drop that pass and, you know, Tart doesn't drop that interception and they get bailed out there, the Rams maybe win by 13 points. And so Stafford ends up having a second chance opportunity. And this is the thing that I find so fascinating is that When Stafford got a second chance opportunity, he made the most of the situation. When Jimmy Garoppolo got the second chance from the blocked punt last week, Jimmy Garoppolo converted 5 of 5 on the final drive to send the 49ers to the conference championship game. They took away his passing privileges for the first two quarters before that. Last drive, 5 for 5 wins the game for the San Francisco 49ers. Patrick Mahomes is the guy we regard to as one of the great quarterbacks ever. And today just bungled game management at the end. Had every situation to close it out, bungled it at the end. It doesn't happen as often to him as it happens to Garoppolo, and it happens to Stafford, and it happens to that team. But it does happen to everyone. And this was the thing I talked about with the Chiefs, is I just hate the timing of when it had to happen. It happened to the Patriots when they went for it on fourth down against the Colts and lost to Peyton Manning. Happened to the Steelers. Happened to Peyton Manning. Happened to Josh Allen. Happened to everyone in all of these situations. And yet still, at the end of the road, you find yourself watching the uh, Matthew Stafford-led Rams getting that second chance and succeeding, and then Jimmy Garoppolo getting that chance again this week, and doesn't work. You know, minute 46 to go, one timeout. After, by the way, Garoppolo on the drive right before. So after the Rams go down 
and tie the game because the Stafford dropped INT didn't count. Seven minutes to go. Here's the drive that the 49ers executed. 17-17, seven minutes to go. Tart should have had the interception. They should have been up four, and they should have had 40 or up three points, and they should have had 40 yards of better field positioning. Seven minutes to go. First play. Pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. Throws the ball into the ground. Second and 10. Delay of game. Second and 15. Near intercepted pass with a lineman getting bounced off, uh, or with a with a pass getting bounced off of a lineman. Third and fifteen, pressure on a blitz, throws a screen pass, dropped by the running back. I think it was Elijah Mitchell, but I'm not certain if it was Elijah Mitchell. The point being, they ran pressure on Jimmy G, incomplete pass, the one that almost got intercepted by Jalen Ramsey. Uh, again, so first play, pressure almost gets intercepted by Ramsey, delay of game. Near interception, lineman bounces off Jimmy G and he kind of flings the ball to the sidelines. And third and 15, pressure just throws a drop pass by drop pass check down to a running back. And immediately, fourth and 15, punt back to the Rams. Rams take the lead with a five minute drive. And 49ers get the ball back. One timeout, 146 to go. Not quite Kirk Cousins purgatory because it's only a three point game. This is just a classic two minute drill. And no chance, no chance. First plays going down to get sacked, does the Carson Wentz thing and just flings the ball up because you can't take a sack in that situation because it's third and long, but now the game's over because it gets intercepted. Rams go to the Super Bowl. And your time in San Francisco is over. Again, total overachievement for San Francisco, but the fact that they had the lead in this game and that the Shanahan scheme thing was going to work for whatever the reasons might be, and the Rams gave them opportunity after opportunity, and they gave the Rams opportunity after opportunity, because again, that game felt like everyone playing was on bath salts, because it was just a classic chaos game all over the place. People are doing dumb shit over here. Both teams had a wide open dropped interception. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo threw a flinger interception at the end of the game when he had a near perfect passer rating in the first half. Debo Samuel, 100 yards of offense. Odell Beckham, 120 yards of offense, and he got hit crown of the helmet to the face mask that I thought concussed him for sure. Debo Samuel injured in this game. Tyler Higby injured. Cam Akers injured. There's just white guys dropping passes in the end zone. And Cooper Cup, 150 yards, two touchdowns, of course. Uh, There's other funny things I wrote down here. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, after the, when the game was 17 to 10, no, 17, 14, Jimmy Garoppolo went two for eight for 20 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, and a delay of game uh, to end the game. Um, You had the uh, third and two run play where McVay ends up blowing his last time out. Didn't even matter because McVay got the ball with seven minutes to go, held it long enough to get the field goal, but also almost did the Mahomes thing where they took the sack. Uh, There was the, the same white guy, Skronik, uh, he had a blindside hit on a punt, just not called, uh, that the 49ers got it back. 49ers ended up immediately punting after that. Uh, all of it ended up working out for the Rams and not for the 49ers. But it's interesting how the second chance worked out for Los Angeles, but didn't quite work out for the 49ers. I find that really, really interesting because the 49ers got their second chance last week. It sent Aaron Rodgers home. One of the most shocking upsets of the last 10 years until the Kansas City Chiefs blew an 18-point lead to the Bengals. And Jimmy Garoppolo 
didn't get that chance this week because this is the thing with quarterbacks that we know aren't as good as the elite quarterbacks of the NFL. It's not that Jimmy Garoppolo is bad. Jimmy Garoppolo and quarterbacks as a whole go from, you know how like the idea of a Madden rating is that someone's a 79 or a 78? Well, for a lot of quarterbacks, sometimes you're a 91 and sometimes you're a 74. And you fluctuate between all of these numbers based on outcomes, based on random bounces, and based on who's got injured in the second quarter of the game you're playing in, and how tired you are, and how tired Debo Samuel is, and whether George Kittle has an injured ankle, or whether Trent Williams is trying to play through a broken foot, and all of this stuff sways the way it play, sways the way games work here. Um, I, I heard Kevin Clark talking about during the game on the Levitard feed about how uh, location is golden in the NFL, basically. It's like the place that you go matters so much for how successful you are or are not going to be. And so the thing with Garoppolo is, yeah, Garoppolo is going to make terrible plays at the end of the game. Patrick Mahomes makes terrible plays at the end of the game. Jimmy Garoppolo just gets into a position where he's there because of the team that he's been put, put that has been put around him with four pro bowlers on offense and a bunch of pro bowlers on defense, like eight, nine great players. I didn't even realize the 49ers had a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense in 2021. I didn't even realize that that was the case. And Jimmy Garoppolo was hidden because he was the weak link. The 49ers knew he was the weak link. Jimmy Garoppolo is a fine player, but when you get to the final four team, well, maybe not this year, but when you get to the final four teams Everyone has great players. Everyone has great quarterbacks. And it's usually the great players that end up taking up a bulk of the offense because why wouldn't you put the ball in the hands of great players? And why on defense wouldn't you put the ball in the hands of great players where Aaron Donald is going to be taking down Garoppolo at the end of the game? And that's the difference. We're going to talk about the Rams tomorrow because I wrote, I spent like two and a half hours writing a story about the Rams that I'd like to read on the podcast and, and, you know, divulge as a thought experiment. But Aaron Donald being Aaron Donald is the reason at the foundation how all of this is possible for the Rams. And George Kittle being amazing, Debo Samuel being amazing, Trent Williams being amazing, uh, Nick Bosa and Fred Warner, and all the all-pro guys they have on defense, that's what makes all of this possible for the 49ers. And Garoppolo, I would argue, yes, it was a terrible finish. Still not as bad as how Patrick Mahomes finished, but this is how it works sometimes. Sometimes you go from being a 30, or not a 30, an 80 rating in Madden to a 96 to a 71. It all fluctuates based on circumstance and situation and just how you're feeling. And sometimes, like in the case of today's game with Tart for the 49ers, lucky bounces, lucky drops, and inches being measured with a giant stick and chains because that's how we measure first downs sometimes. All of it is so random. Playing the results sucks. Sorry, Kyle Shanahan. Game management kind of falls apart at the end because you're conservative. You know who else that was about to fall apart for? Sean McVay. Sean McVay does the same thing. It sometimes happens, which is why we don't play the results here. We try to do the best we can to try and analyze this from a macro level, which is why I was saying the whole way through Jimmy Garoppolo's gone with the 49ers. Whether they won that game or not, they were still going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, and they'll still move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, even if this was a, 
magical playing with house money game for the 49ers, who were, again, 13 minutes away from making it back to the Super Bowl. Okay, now we need to unload all of our celebration music for the Los Angeles Rams, because Von Miller had an awesome day, and the Rams won, so... First of all, let's celebrate this Super Bowl run for the Los Angeles Rams with the one and only 1989 Los Angeles Rams rap anthem, Let's Ram It. Because when you know that you are going to the Super Bowl after completely overhauling your entire roster in three years, you can ram it all day and ram it all night. And of course, we must celebrate Von Miller carrying the Los Angeles Rams defense, along with Aaron Donald, of course, to the Super Bowl with one of my favorite parody songs ever. I, you know we love the old-timey parody songs, but we got to throw it back to 2017 for our Von Miller parody song as a perfect lead-in to our buddy Blake Jude from Stripe Cincy and me talking about the 49ers-Rams game, which we ironically talked about more than the Bengals and Chiefs game. This kind of happens when you have football games that go one after the other, is that you kind of forget about the thing that happened before, you know, recency effect and stuff like that. So let's talk more Rams and 49ers on what we're calling memes of the weekend, but I guess this is the closest thing to a meme that we can find other than Tart dropping that pass or dropping that interception and giving Matthew Stafford a second chance that I would like to do a two-hour podcast about someday. So anyways, with that being said, here is Blake Jude and Vaughn Miller. Just start me. When I'm on your Madden team, brushing the pastor and tackling dudes are some strings of mine. Strategy around me cause my rating is 99 Feel this love for LB by just calling on me and we both can shine Cause I just need one more shot to be MVP Yeah, we can win so I'm saying start me Let's do this Stop all plays just using my body When I'm on your Madden team Change your roster up and just start me Opponents never gonna make first downs Try and try, they won't gain no ground 
our team and take them all the way. Madden NFL 17. EA Sports. It's in the game. You guys know what that means. It's time to talk about Sheets and Giggles. Yes, Sheets and Giggles. It's a great name for a company. Sheets and Giggles makes 100% eucalyptus bed sheet sets, duvet covers, comforters, and throw blankets. They will make you fall in love with sleep. Eucalyptus is a miracle fabric that is super soft, temperature balancing, hypoallergenic, and static free. You will wake up feeling more alive than ever before. Trust me. Go to sheetsandgiggles.com today and get the rest that you so richly deserve. Use our promo code TAKEITEASY for a 10% discount on your purchase at sheetsandgiggles.com. That's sheetsandgiggles.com. What'd you make of 49ers Rams? Let's do the let's do the transition point here. What is what is your thoughts on the 49ers Rams game that I attest everyone playing in this game just took bath salts before the game because that was just an absolute chaos game. Everything about that was absolutely chaotic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, I said it before, I'm going to say it again. It's abundantly clear that this is not going to work for Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not going to get past the NFC Championship game again. It's just not going to happen. Uh, he, you know, he's just not a good quarterback. And he made, he made a lot of mistakes. I, I will say uh, Debo Samuel. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he made – no, I was saying he made a lot of mistakes, but also had a perfect passer rating at halftime in this game, a 153.3 passer rating at halftime of this game. <laughs> Somehow. Somehow, but I mean, it's obvious that, you know, Kyle Shanahan is is trying to focus on being a dominant run team. But at the end of the day, whenever you're going against a team like the Rams, who have such a strong wide receiver and a Cooper Cup uh, and Oda Beckham Jr., really a good quarterback in Matthew Stafford, a couple of elite players on the defense. Once the Rams were able to get back into this game and eventually take the lead, kind of felt like at that point, it was going to be hard for the 49ers to come back because the 49ers had to play with a lead the entire game to be able to trust their defense and run game to be able to run off the clock and win the game. Whenever the defense was not able to get enough stops, the, the drop interception that they had by uh, Jaquiski Park was, I mean, just huge. I mean, a huge turning point in this game. I think if he catches that, they probably win this game. I want, I want that, to do a two-hour podcast on that single play the same way I wanted to do a podcast about Zach Taylor trying to call timeout on the Zach on the Logan Wilson interception last week. Like that, in, that play was just absolutely ridiculous that Stafford did the Stafford thing that everyone was afraid of. And the 49ers just dropped it, just straight dropped it. And immediately after that, you had the, the play to Odell Beckham where he catches it for 30 yards and gets helmet to helmet contact. And then Cooper cup has a catch, right? Cooper cup and Odell, I think had like 250 yards of offense between the two of them. And it's just, yeah, that one play was just absolute turning point, like absolute, I know the Rams had scored a touchdown right before that, but just absolute game changing, not getting that interception. I just don't think the 49ers are capable of winning if the Rams scored more than 21 points pretty much because obviously they just don't have the firepower to keep up with it. They have a couple of really good weapons, George Kittle, Debo Samuel. They can play their heads off. They really go out there and and put it all in the field. Brandon Ayuk has looked really good lately as well. He kind of balled out, but whenever the moments mattered most, right, this defense of the Rams stepped up. They have Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. Um, you know, Eric Weddle came in and led the team in tackles today, a guy that just came out of retirement, <laughs> came in and had a huge game. This is a team that is, uh, again, has a lot of star power, and whenever they needed a stop, whenever they needed a play, just like how the Bengals were, they went out and got it. 
Uh, granted, I think it was against a much worse team than than the the Chiefs, uh, than the Chiefs, of course. But the 49ers are still a team not to be messed with. I think they are definitely capable of being in this position that they were at right now. It just feels like that they went out there and and took it from the 49ers after halftime. And again, that's just a really credit to the coaching, credit to Sean McVay. Uh, Matthew Stafford went out there and, and did what he needed to do. They they had a really tough time moving the ball for a long time. I don't know how long it was whenever they. For they, I think it was until the third quarter they had seven points pretty much. Uh, yeah. And after that, they just exploded and were able to get just enough touchdowns and points to be able to pull that. Did y'all know that the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field? He's a goat when it comes to investing. He invests in stocks and crypto and even art with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. And when that art sells, you get return on investments as high as 30%. If you want to get priority access with Masterworks today, go to masterworks.art slash believe. Masterworks.art slash believe to start investing in stocks and cryptocurrency and shares in artwork today. You can invest like the goat with Masterworks. See important disclosures at masterworks.com slash disclaimer. And it was weird too, because Stafford had the interception in the first quarter in the end zone and a white guy who nameless white guy dropped a pass in the end zone for the Rams. Um, So they should have had more points than they did. And they probably should have won the game by more than they did. But just like last week, just dumb plays happened over and over for the Rams that concern us. I mean, everyone has dumb plays, but it's just like, God, the Rams have left like 50 points on the table in the last three games with dumb plays. I know they still killed the Cardinals, but they had some dumb plays in that game too. Um, the entire way I was just yelling, why do you keep running the ball? Like the Rams running game yeah. is not good. Cam Akers got hurt early in the game. The 49ers have a pretty good rush defense. Cooper Cup and Odell can just catch screens and do yards after catch. I'm like, just do the Alex Smith offense where you use the screen pass like the running game. And then they did like they had one play that set up the game winning field goal where they threw a second and 10 screen pass to Cup and he ran it for like 15 yards. I was like, just, just keep doing that the whole game. Like the running game does not work for the Rams. They should do it again against the Bengals. I know we have like weeks to talk about the Super Bowl preview, but I just the whole way, I just so frustrated that McVay kept running the ball and using all their timeouts and trying to throw the game away at the end. Yeah, I really didn't understand it at all. Uh, Cam Akers has had a really rough time since coming back from an injury. Uh, I, I really think they should use Sony Michelle more. It feels like he's more effective on the ground, at least maybe even through the passing game as well, because I think he has pass-catching pass upside on top of that. Really don't understand what they were doing there. It kind of feels like – and honestly, the Bengals were the same way as well. Running the ball way too much for Nixon to fish on first down. I'm going to get away from that, so talk about the Rams. Uh, you know, Cam Akers – Cam Akers really has not been good lately at all, and I really think that – uh, you know, the, the the Rams are trying way too hard to establish the run and get play action going with Cooper Cup and, and Odell Beckham Jr. That is their game. Play action is such a big part of their game. And in order to do that, they have to establish the run in a certain way. And they just weren't because at the end of the day, you know, this is an okay Rams offensive line. But I will say they kind of got exposed today. This is a team that got exposed by the, by the 49ers defensive line. Whenever the, defense, whenever the 49ers needed a stop, uh, I didn't even know the their defensive end's name is it Enigbar or Enigbear or something like that. I know he was <laughs> something out there. like that. Uh, yeah, it was just a just another guy there. 
know, he was there. Nick Bosa had a huge game as well. They were exposing their tackles and getting getting pressure, getting uh, penetration up the middle, getting stops in the run game. They were exposing the Rams. The Rams did not look like a perfect team this week. I really feel like if they play against the Packers, they probably lose this game, right? Because this is really, this feels like this was a game that they did not play best of their ability. They they could be better than this. And at the end of the day, again, it's just one of those cases where. You know, they, they open up the playbook. They're like, all right, Stafford, you give this ball to your playmakers. You give it to Odell. You give it to Cooper Cup. Let them make plays. He did that. Cooper Cup lived up to that standard. I believe had 160 yards, two touchdowns this game. Again, he has been the hottest receiver in the league this year, without question. I mean, he's been the best receiver so far in the league this year. Uh, really is impressive how well he's done on day in and day out. And it's continued to impress whenever the moment stepped up to him. I have a quiz question for you, Blake Jude, NFL draft expert, NFL expert, Cincinnati Bengal fan, and just NFL aficionado. So when the Rams made the Super Bowl in 2018, about 73% of the team were players that were on the team from the Jeff Fisher regime. So Jeff Fisher and Les Snead brought in 73% of the players that were on that Super Bowl team. This run has how many original Jeff Fisher players on the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm going to go through the ones that I know in my head, Aaron Donald uh, is definitely part of that group. We know Andrew Whitworth is a part of that group, I guess. Uh, that is not true. A- Andrew Whitworth was signed the first year of the McVay era. So Andrew Whitworth is okay. not in this group. Yes. Gotcha. He was on the so- Super Bowl team. He was on the Super Bowl team, but he was technically a McVay guy. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so Aaron Donald, I don't know when Cooper Cup was drafted. Was he drafted that year? McVay start team a head coach. I feel like that's the case. Cup was the 2017 draft. So he was that okay, draft class so- that had a bunch of shitty wide receivers, but then like later yeah, in the draft, he, he got good. picked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we know those two. Uh, I don't know if Tyler Higby was there. Not too sure on that. Higby, uh, Higby is one know. of them. Higby is, this is a good joke. Higby was an undrafted practice squad player during the one year that Jeff Fisher got fired. So Higby counts on this list. Cooper Cup is a McVay guy, but Higby is, is two on this list. Higby technically counts as number two. By the way, I love that, um, you know how we joked about Higby's like a Gasecki. And then yeah. he got hurt, and they just got another Gasecki to to have like five catches. <laughs> and the exact same thing. Yeah, I, I don't even remember what his name is, but he had like five catches for sixty-seven yards. I'm like, oh, Gasecki. They've just got another Gasecki to just replace Higby when he gets hurt. Like there are like forty average tight ends in the NFL who can just step up whenever you need them to. Yeah, They're the Bengals had there. two of them after Uzama got hurt. They just had like two more Higbies or two more Gaseckis back there. Just you know, right when, when necessary, you could put them in there. Yeah, it, it, that's just how it rolls. I guess in the NFL, you just have a bunch of average tight ends in your roster that are all okay. But yeah, no, I, I think uh, Aaron Donald. Just those two. Is that it? Just we have Donald Aaron Donald and Higby so far. There's, okay, I'll, okay. I'll tell you right now, there is one more. There are three total players from the, the Jeff Fisher era that are still on the Rams. It's Donald, it's Higby. Do you think is you it, can get the last one? Okay. I don't know for sure if he was acquired in the era. I know he's with the Ravens. Was that Eric Weddle? It is not Eric Weddle. Okay. Cause I know he's on the Ravens for a while too. So it might've been that era whenever he's not with Jeff Fisher. Um, Um, is he on defense? Plays on defense. No, no. 
Okay, interesting. So he might be on the offensive line. No. Uh no. Interesting. <laughs> uh uh. Wow. Uh backup quarterback. <laughs> it's Walford, right? <laughs> it's still Walford. Sean Mannion, yeah, that's who it was. It's Sean Mannion. He's on the Vikings now, but he's still the Rams backup quarterback because he's been the Rams backup quarterback for 28 years. For years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not not Walford. Interesting. Um Huh. Is it a okay, so it must be a receiver? Is it this Scourneck or is that his name? Scourneck? Scour Scourneck? No. Random white guy? No, it's not random white yeah. guy. Gotcha. <laughs> no, nope. I'm gonna I gotta I gotta tell you this because I'm proud of myself for it. It is Johnny Hecker, the punter. Oh I didn't even think about <laughs> special teams. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. It so is those three now. That's it. That are, those are the only members of the Jeff Fisher era that are on this team. They completely overhauled the roster. 73% from the first Super Bowl team, three players. That is 6% of the team originally from the Jeff Fisher Los Angeles Rams era. Donald's a pretty good one to have, but yeah, three players remaining. It's the punter, it's Aaron Donald, and it's a practice squad tight end named Tyler Higby. Wow, that is that is crazy. But uh, I can't help but commend Sean McVay. I mean, this is going to be this is going to end up being the battle of the Sean McVay tree, right? I mean, it's really impressive how. Oh God, uh, I forgot about that. Oh God, Zach Taylor's a Super Bowl coach. Jesus, is Zach Taylor going to be the worst coach to ever win a Super Bowl? I think I think that would be officially true if he wins. Worse than Doug Peterson? I think he's worse than Doug Peterson. I mean. We don't we don't know what Zach's going to end up being later on, right? So yeah, I guess that's that fair. It's fair. He could be but, the next Belichick, right? We were talking about that before. This is either a random one-off champion or he's the next Bill Belichick. One of the two. This is this is one of the most I think unlikely results we have seen from a head coach ever. Really, right? Because I mean, like we, I think both of us kind of agree coming into this year, Zach Taylor is probably one of the most likely candidates to be fired. Right? I, I fired like him last year. I fired right. him at the end of last season. I would have said, why are you keeping him around a third season? I had him fired. I also had the Bengals missing the playoffs as early as I think December. So I've been pretty wrong about the Bengals for a while here. Probable results. Hmm? Sorry. This is one of the most improbable results we have seen from this team. A head coach quite some time right like we, we just did not expect this to happen at all and for us and for the Bengals to kind of turn around and become this is, is insane it's it's impressive Sean McVay did it right off the bat right he came in and immediately just made this team Super Bowl contenders again they went out they traded all their picks and now they're Super Bowl contender they're in Super Bowl once again this year uh so credit to Sean McVay but Zach Taylor came in it took him a little bit more time than McVay of course but he has built out a regime that is capable of making a Super Bowl just like how McVay is so I really am interested to see this master versus protege kind of uh you know rivalry shape up and become a uh, a uh, interesting topic for this next couple of weeks yep I'm with you on that. Any thoughts from the game? We didn't do a great job covering the game other covering. than laughing at how it ended there. But um, what do you think of the last final push by Garoppolo that ended with Aaron Donald just bear hugging him and him throwing an interception at the end? Also, I think Jalen Ramsey dropped an easy interception somewhere in there too he during did. that fourth yeah. quarter. Yeah, uh, that was an egregious play by Jimmy Garoppolo. I get he's trying to make a play out of nowhere, right? But whenever you're literally parallel with the ground, it's probably smart to not do that because you know you're probably going to throw an interception. 
I know it's a terrible position to be in. You don't want to take the sack at all. But I would rather at least be on a fourth than 23 and have a chance to complete it right than be able to than to blindly throw it into coverage and have it intercepted. I mean, that's just a, a terrible decision and, and a bad idea. Now, granted, the, the pass itself wasn't terrible. That should have been caught by, I believe, Travis Benjamin was the one that was uh, that had the uh, the chance to catch that ball. Uh, and the tip pass, it was just an, uh, really an unlucky play for the 49ers. But that is absolutely nothing, never something that you should rely on. You should not be passing the ball on your way down to try to get rid of it. Uh, that was just a mistake by Garoppolo that ended up costing them the, the game as a whole. But it really kind of felt like after after the points were scored by the Rams and, and they really took the lead, it kind of felt like the game was going to be over because I just did not trust Jimmy Garoppolo to, to lead this team down and, and score touchdown in, in crunch time. It just didn't seem like it was possible because of this Rams defense. And yet they would have won if Tart hadn't dropped that pass, right? Like all is forgiven if Tart doesn't drop that pass. If if Patrick Mahomes, like a, one thing, all he has to do, one thing, just throw the ball away on the first read. You don't even have to worry about the clock running out at the end of that fourth quarter because that field goal is as time expires to win the game. So like one play, all is forgiven, right? And Stafford gets the one play back and... Then he executes and now he's no longer a choker. Like it's weird how we do all this analysis, right? Is Stafford's no longer a choker because he came back and won, even though he choked a play before and the result didn't work out. It's weird how all this works. All is forgiven whenever the other team screws up more than you, right? That's really all it comes down to. At the end of the day, the 49ers made a couple of really bad key mistakes at the end of the game that ended up resulting in the loss. And we could have been talking about, is Matthew Stafford holding the Rams back, you know, just like how golf was. And now we're talking about, hey, this is it. This, well, that, that's that's a big stretch, I know. I was kind of really – No, I get it, but I'm also the person who says Aaron Rodgers should go to either the 49ers or Rams or otherwise stay with the Packers. Right. That's I'm that person too. I don't think the Rams right. have enough draft picks to make it happen, but it'd still be funny. Yeah, no, I, I get that. But uh, I, we've been talking about, you know, it, it, how bad Matthew Stafford screwed up if that interception happened in the 49ers won. Uh, instead, now we're talking about, hey, Matt Ryan is in the Super Bowl. He's a chance to win it for the first time in his career because the Chiefs made a couple of key mistakes at the end of the game to kind of blow it away, right? They just didn't do enough to win. And, and like I said, I, I really just didn't think whenever the, the 49ers started trailing, I did not see them coming back in this game. I just did not feel like it was going to happen. Yeah, I, I was kind of... No, I actually... No, I'm, I, I kind of thought the 49ers had a chance because I saw last week when... When given a second chance, Garoppolo went five for five on the last drive and took out Aaron Rodgers. So I guess in my mind, I'm like, I know Garoppolo can do it. I just saw Patrick Mahomes collapse worse than anyone has collapsed in the playoffs this year. So I guess I thought Jimmy had at least a a puncher's chance. But then also Aaron Donald showed up in the backfield. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's why I picked the Rams to win. By the way. If the 49ers had won that game, I would have gone 0-6 in the last two rounds picking football games. I would have gone 0-6 in the final two rounds of the playoffs. Well, I believe I'm happy to say that I actually predicted the Super Bowl correct. Bengals Rams. So I I did predict that correctly. But I will say, um, did not expect the 49ers to get to this point right now. That is crazy. And honestly, you made a good point, though. Like, there there was a chance against Garoppolo did. It just felt like against Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, after they took the lead, all the momentum was on their side. They were in their home stadium. It just kind of felt like at that point it was was a a, a stretch, right? Like, unless Debo Singer broke out a big play or George Kill did something big. If this ball was in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands in crunch time, I just did not trust him to to drive it down the field and, and win. All right, a few more things I got to ask you about here. One, third and two, fullback run with Kyle Juszczyk. I feel like we just talked about this last week with Tannehill. 
third and two fullback run. They sent Trent Williams in motion to the other side of where use was running. What'd you think of that situation? Oh, and then sorry. Uh-huh. And, and McVeigh challenging a very clearly not fumble immediately after. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the fullback dive with Kyle use check, uh, I, I get what they're going for. They're trying to get a little bit of misdirection. They wanted to think that they're going to toss the outside and let Trent Williams be a lead blocker, try to track the defense away. But it kind of felt like the entire time they, the Rams knew that, hey, they're not going to try to do something silly. They're going to make Kyle Juszczyk's back there. They're going to give him the ball uh, and try to get this first down. They were ready up the middle. I am not testing Aaron Donald on any occasion. I don't care what scenario it is, where you're at, not testing Aaron Donald. It's just not going to happen. So I thought that was just bound to mess up, right? I would have given the ball to Debo Samuel. He's been such a great player this entire time. Whenever you need big yards, he's going to get it to you. Or George Kittle. George Kittle is also very capable. If you can get the ball to the outside of one of those two playmakers, they're going to get you a first down. I did not like the ball going between the tackles on that play. With the Sean McVay challenge call, I will say I was kind of shocked he did it because I thought it was almost like a desperation challenge call like he's just like oh i, I gotta do this because we're, we're in trouble right uh and it kind of felt like it was never going to work out and honestly at that point i was really worried i was like rams are, are kind of falling apart here right like something is trying to get something out of nothing right now this looks bad uh because they they were you know, the 49ers defense was completely stopping the rams on all accounts that moment uh additionally to that fourth and two decision to take a delay of game and punt on the rams side of the field up three with seven minutes or yeah. 10 minutes to go that, that loss in the game, that decision lost in the game. I think they go for that every single time. I do not understand. <laughs> it, oh, hang on. Before you go further, in a classic sports radio Monday talk show, uh, which cost them the game more, decision to punt or to, uh, Tart dropping the interception? <laughs> okay. Tart dropping the interception was probably the biggest swing in terms of percentage chance, right? Because fourth and two is not a guarantee you make it. But on the 45-yard line, you're up three. You know the Rams are going to dial up something to try to score the points. I know it was 17-14 at the time, and they were trusting their defense. But it really kind of felt like the Rams were not going to go away just like that. Uh, you got to go for that. It's fourth and two. I know you just got stopped uh, you know, by, a, I think it was a poor play call. But again, get the ball to Debo Samuel. Get the ball to George Kittle. You get that first down, you probably win the game, right? You drop the ball down the field, you might score another field goal. You might get a touchdown. You at least in the game to overtime in my eyes. I don't understand the call uh, of punting that ball and taking the delay or taking the delay game and then punting the ball there. Um, I, I just knew that, you know, Cooper Cup, Odo Beckham Jr., they're too good. They're going to score eventually. It was just a matter of when, not not if. Uh, and that that was another big key turning point in the game. I do. Before I ask you the other quick rapid fire questions, because I know your time is limited and I appreciate you staying on longer is while recording from your car, celebrating the Bengals victory. Um, I, the thing I thought interesting about that was last week when it was seven, nothing Packers against the 49ers. I crapped on Lafleur for punting on fourth and two in a similar situation, but it was in the first half of the game. And this time around, I guess I, I didn't even blame Shanahan for deciding to punt in that spot. And maybe it's just because I trust the Packers offense to get two yards more than the 49ers offense. But I found it fascinating because I'm branded as the guy who like loves punting is for cowards and Lane Kiffin and Brandon Staley just saying we're going to go for it every single time, no matter what. Like I'm a guy who <laughs> likes that, but I, I actually didn't think it was that bad of a call to punt on the fourth and two on that side of the field, which is weird because I spent last week crapping on Lafleur for punting on fourth and two in the same situation in the first half of that game. But I, I guess I just, I, I, the 49ers have great, like I found out the 49ers had four pro bowlers on offense this year. I'm like, wow, I didn't even realize they were a top 10 offense in the NFL because they have four pro bowlers on offense. Yeah. And I guess 
I guess I just didn't trust them the way I trust Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and, and Aaron Jones in them, which maybe I shouldn't because the 49ers, maybe they have a crap quarterback or a decent quarterback, but they have uh, very good players everywhere else that are capable of getting two yards. See, I, I just feel like in that position, if you trust your defense, you could trust that you can get a stop at the 40-yard line whenever you need them to, right? I feel like at that point, it is just the risk-reward, I think, really favors the reward in this case because you get that first down, you're going to get points that drive. Uh, and, and I really think had you got those points, all of a sudden you have the game in, in your hands. Like this, the, the Rams are going to be grasping for air to try to get a comeback and win. I, I really thought that going for it was going to be pay, would pay off more than just punting the ball in our life on your defense because like I said this is a matter of time before we got a big Cooper Cup game game stuff like that the 49ers have a very bad secondary right you don't want to rely on the secondary to win um I, I really thought uh it was only a matter of time before we saw a big play Cooper Cup big play to Odebecker Jr. and you know eventually it happened we got a couple big plays to Cooper Cup a couple big plays to Odebecker Jr. and that went the, the the Rams way and they ended up winning so maybe you know in the heat of the moment I honestly I understood punting because I was like hey if they're getting stops now they can continue to get stops potentially but at the end of the day back in my mind I'm like this is a 49ers team that is Talent-wise, not as good as the Rams. The Rams are a better football team. Whenever you're the underdog, especially in the Rams stadium, I really feel like you got to you got to push the foot on the pedal. You cannot play conservative. You have to be the aggressor in this case, and that is what costs. And that, that is a big reason why I think it, part of it cost them the game. As we talk about, you know, dropped interceptions and chaos games, and Jalen Ramsey having a drop pick and slamming his helmet down and, you know, all the craziness that happened in this game. Cause those are the things that we're going to remember. Cause, oh my gosh, football was insane. Um, this is the thing that I found fascinating that I hate that probably no one's going to talk about, or they're going to talk about it. Like is the sixth most important thing, but I'll throw this at you and just walk away. George Kittle, two catches, 27 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, egregious. This is your best player. I mean, Debo, Kittle, the two best players. I know it was a big, big, you know, it was evident that the, the Rams were very, very worried about taking George Kittle out of this game, right? Like, they wanted him out of this game. They knew he was dangerous. They knew that they, if they could take him out of this game, they could win this football game. But, you know, the Chiefs came in with the exact same idea with Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase still played a huge factor. Whenever he got the ball in his hands, he made plays. They made sure to give him chances with the ball. If you're the 49ers, especially with a team that is not reliable, uh, you know, with their quarterback, um, you have to get the ball in your playmaker's hands and let them make plays. Debo got some chances. I won't, I won't deny that. Debo definitely got some chances and performed well whenever he did. George Kittle has to get his chances as well because he is a game changer. He's hard to tackle. He's a great route runner. He can catch the ball at an elite level. He can block. He can do everything. Give your best player the ball. That is ridiculous. And another, I mean, that that is, you know, I'm not going to blame Kyle Shanahan because I really don't know if, if the plan was – I can definitely see it. I can understand the argument you made that, hey, he was getting double teamed the entire game, so it's kind of hard to give him the ball. But you got to find ways to scheme open George Kittle, especially on those fourth and shorts, third and shorts. That's, that's the perfect George Kittle range. He's a safety blanket for you. Give him the ball. Is it fair to brand Kyle Shanahan a choker? I, I, think, I think it is fair. I, I, I think that – Kyle Shanahan is a great coach. Do not get me wrong. He does he does good things whenever you need him to. But at the end of the day, against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, whenever you needed something big, they just couldn't rise up to, to get those big plays. Whenever in twenty eight three, yeah, it, it really feels like the last couple of games that they have won in the playoffs is more just due to the other team choking worse than them, right? 
the, the 49ers really haven't earned many clutch wins over time. It's more or less just been other teams kind of costing themselves the game. And the Rams almost the exact same thing here. But you know, maybe not. Maybe, maybe it's not just Kyle Shanahan because I understand the idea of um, you know calling the place he called. But at the end of the day, the 49ers as a whole have been choking, and I think a big part of that is due to coaching. Yeah, I, I, I don't Kyle like Shanahan the conversation, but sometimes I just kind of have to do the gas baggy thing because I love that. They showed the graphic on the screen that the largest fourth quarter uh, comeback in conference championship history was nine points. Um, And it was the Seahawks and the Packers, but not the Seahawks Packers that I remember from 2014. It was Seahawks and Packers from 2004. And when that happened, I was like, oh, that's right. Matt Hasselbeck went to a Super Bowl. And why would Matt Hasselbeck ever play in a Super Bowl? Oh, because Brett Favre choked. And I was like, dang, the Packers were choking all the way back like 20 years ago. Like, I know we make jokes about the Packers blowing games at the end. But I'm like, oh, it was weird that Matt Hasselbeck played in the Super Bowl. And now it's going to be like, oh, it is kind of weird that the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Unless the Bengals become a dynasty of 20 years, of course. But, you know, like I, in, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, that's right. They did blow that lead. But now Kyle Shanahan holds the record for largest fourth quarter blown lead in a conference championship. Largest second half deficit in the Super Bowl and largest second half deficit or largest fourth quarter deficit in a Super Bowl in the history of the NFL. He now holds all of those records in a span of like five years. Yeah, tough go around for Shanahan. He should definitely keep his job. I think he's still definitely capable of leading his team back, but you gotta start. At, you gotta start at the beginning, and that's finding a new quarterback, and it's gotta be Trey Lance in my eyes. They need to reset next year and, and get a new team and, and roll with a new scheme. Yeah, he's good. he's bought himself three years to develop Lance. That seems fair enough. Like, yeah, love yeah. it or hate it, he's bought himself the leeway to be able to develop Trey Lance. For sure. Yeah. Thank you again. I appreciate the extra time here. I know I said I'd try to make it quick, but I, I very yeah. much enjoy doing podcasts with you. So I appreciate yeah. it. Congratulations. Enjoy the rest of your night as you continue to celebrate the Cincinnati Bengals for hour five of celebration. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, it's unreal, unreal to be able to be in the Super Bowl now. I never would have dreamed of this day, honestly. Never thought it was going to come. It was 1988's last time the Bengals played the Super Bowl. Did not think we'd ever see this again. Um, really excited. Uh, February 13th is going to be such a great time, and I'll be back hopefully uh, to, to talk more about the Bengals Rams preview. Yeah. That's going to be a lot yeah. of fun. We'll, be, we'll talk later this week for sure. No question. We'll do our regularly scheduled Stripe Hype Friday or Thursday or whatever it is. But I, I needed the Bengals celebration going on up in here. Uh, yes. Congratulations. Uh, I'm my, my entire I'd been I'd spent 800 hours perfecting an argument on a podcast about how the Kansas City Chiefs are the greatest four year run in our lifetime in the NFL just all got derailed in two hours two hours it all <laughs> fell apart <laughs> three yeah. years of uh, building up this argument it's gone just gone I, I, to, to, to the chiefs credit they're still going to be there in my eyes they're still a dynasty they're still gonna be great for so long this is the year of the tiger today <laughs> thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.